Hi, I'm Wendy, and this is a whole new experience for me podcasting, my first one. So what I thought I would do is first introduce myself and tell you who I am and what I've done and and why I'm doing the podcasting. Uh, I first and foremost, uh, why I'm doing the podcasting is because it is uh, a, a great way for me to carry on my daughter's legacy. Uh, I'm originally from Canada, and 39-plus years ago, my life changed overnight. My daughter, Brie, was born with a very rare chromosome deletion, 1 in 50,000. And little did I know at that time that uh, this was the greatest gift I could have ever received. Uh, Like most parents, I was wondering, why me? Uh, What did I do wrong? And uh, as the years went on, I realized that I had received an amazing gift, a teacher that everything in my life to this day that is good and worthwhile is because of this little being who graced my life for 37 years. So at that time, you know, 39 plus years ago, I uh, had a ski school. I live north of Montreal, Canada, in the Laurentian Mountains. I was teaching skiing. Uh, I had a, a ski school where I sent, oh, I don't know, was it eight to ten buses to different ski areas on the weekend. Uh, I was an outdoor person. I was a runner, uh, cross-country skiing, snowshoes in the summer. It was uh, water skiing. You know, it was the ideal young life, newly married and uh, living on a lake, a beautiful, beautiful lake in a large Swiss chalet house. Uh, I had traveled a lot. I had spent two summers, uh, my 18th year and my 21st year hitchhiking in Europe. I had skied in Val d'Isere, France, powder skied in Val d'Isere, France, cross-country skied in Finland. Um, it was good life. And um, then my daughter was born and everything changed totally overnight. It took her 20 minutes to breathe on her own. Uh, she was literally wrapped up in the abinical cord. The placenta was calciating and the embryonic fluid had turned green. So she was literally dying inside of me. Um, so I entered a world that I knew nothing about. Her condition is called 4P- or Wolf-Hirschoid syndrome, which is after the two doctors that recognized it. It's 1 in 50,000, and back then, 39 years ago, it was uh, very little recognized. It was, I think they originally said to me there were six or 800 in all of North America, and um, the prognosis was very grim. Now, you're talking about two parents who are actively sportive. Her father was on the Canadian National B team, uh, Olympic team, uh, runners, skiers, outdoors people. And um, so Brie was born to us. We were genetically tested. There was nothing. Um, And, you know, here she is with a prognosis of if she was lucky, she might live to five. She would never recognize us, never move. 
uh, and that seizures would take over her life even with medication. So, you know, I went home and was devastated. I spent a weekend crying. And you go through the grief, and then anger comes on. And I guess the anger, the anger motivate, can be motivating um, when it's not directed towards anybody. Uh, and just, you know, I had to figure this out. I had a couple things going for me. Uh, basically, I thank my parents for it, is uh, unconditional love and perseverance. Because I guess if you, those would describe me pretty, pretty much. And, um, and I'm an avid reader. I've always been an avid reader since I was a child, to the point where my mom, I remember her one time saying, because I was always reading and questioning things, and, and uh, she would say, you read too much. And, you know, I'm going, oh, how can you read too much, you know? So uh, I was at 17 reading uh, Abraham Maslow and Eric Fromm and, you know, questioning life. So this avid reading really paid off because 39 years ago, there was no computer, there was no Google, there was no internet, there, uh, definitely no podcasting. Uh, I had to find everything on my own. Uh, one lucky thing was that literally uh, the medical, I mean, we, we fell into uh, hospital appointments and we fell into all that because that's what everybody does. And, um, but I knew there had to be more. There had to be some way. And I just kept reading and reading and reading. At that point, I found, I would say... Now, Brie, you know, my daughter is getting, you know, pneumonias and the seizures started happening around seven months. And then when she had her measles shot, that's when she had her first grand mal. The reaction to the measles shot, uh, she had a four-hour grand mal seizures. And any of those seizures could have taken her out. And I just, I don't know what it was. I mean, before Brie was born, I was, I had... Uh, cooking for your baby, making veg uh, vegetarian food. And I knew I was going to make all her food from scratch. I knew I was going to breastfeed her. I did for a year, and I made all her food from scratch from the beginning. I didn't realize that the quality of food uh, changed everything. But I was still, you know, doing all that. And, um, and she, you know, was getting sick but we then I found a book I used to go to a library in Montreal and I found a book called what to do about your brain injured child by Glenn Doman that changed that was one of the things that changed our life so I read the book and it just was made all kinds of sense to me and it basically is out of Philadelphia the Institutes for the Achievement of Human Potential out of Philadelphia they teach parents how to uh, have a stimulation program, program in their home and you go back every three months and you spend a week in lectures while your child is looked after by the staff learning more about the brain and how it functions and how to stimulate your child. And it's basically three, thing, three things, frequency, intensity, and duration. So... Uh, came back I mean we they give us designs to make equipment and um, she had creeping and something called masking and there are different levels 
So within, now at this point in time, Brie is like, we're, I think we're like two years in, two and a half years in, Brie is not moving. And the only solutions, you know, a local physiotherapist would come in and they put her inside a, an inner tube for her to sit up. It just didn't make sense to me. I mean, fine, but where is that going to go? So um, we started a program. I mean, I was lived with a stopwatch around my neck for two and a half years. I was working seven days a week with Bree, 14 hours a day. And, um, and it was, oh, I wish I could have done it longer. If I had I had support from my ex-husband, I would have done it longer. Uh, it was the most amazing program. I highly recommend it. It took a long time for us to pay it off, but, uh, you know, eventually we had to sell our house, but all of that is just material stuff when it comes to your child and a human being. So within, I think it was six months, Bree was creeping up on all fours. That changes your life. You can creep, you know, you can creep out of a burning building when you can move. And I never had a wheelchair for her. I had a stroller to take her outside, but the floor in the house was always hers. It was creeping space for Brie. And she crept her whole life. So that changes everything. You're now, and it's better for your lungs and better for your heart that you're a moving person. So um, then Brie was still having seizures. So I'm going to, this is the real important of why I'm doing this. She was still having seizures, and it was like with the stimulation program, they kept getting in the way. And I watch cycles, you know, full moons. I mean, there is something about that because I would see change of season, full moon, longest day of the year, shortest day of the year, how sensitive to, she was to all of this. So I, um, I started wondering about diet, and one time on the revisit to the institutes in Philadelphia, talking with another parent she mentioned uh, a diet called macrobiotics which I didn't know what it was but that a family in Texas was using it and it was uh, helping a great deal with the seizures so I said get me the number then I'm on that's me I'm on the research I'm the researching I'm calling the U.S. Department of Agriculture to find out how many calories are in sea vegetables? Because I found out this was part of the diet. And I, I smile at that now because, you know, it was my naivety <laughs> in all this. But I was determined to find a way. So um, little did I know how life works and synchronicity is, in retrospect, has been so powerful in our lives and in my life. Um one of the directors of one of the programs at the institutes in Philadelphia had moved to Boston to learn the macrobiotic diet um, because she knew it would be helpful to the brain-injured children. So um, I didn't know that, but I, as I was calling around to find out about the macrobiotic diet, which the center, there were two centers, one in California and one in Boston, I reached their office and a woman named Susan uh, answered the phone. Now Susan was doing this as a favor to a friend. She hadn't done it and she didn't do it afterwards. This is one spot of time where she uh, filled in for a friend as a receptionist on the phone. And on talking to her, I said, do you know any families doing this diet 
with brain injured children. And she said, my house mother used to work with children in Philadelphia. And I'm going, was this Mary? And she went, yeah. And so now, you know, and she said, I said, well, could you tell her? We were known as the Ski Family. I said, could you tell her the, the Ski Family are looking into this and give her my number? So uh, within no time, within days, I had a phone call. She offered me that if I could get to Boston, I could stay where they were staying and she would teach me. She would start teaching me. And I said, well, at that point, my uh, husband worked for a company and we only had a company car. And the only way I could get the car would be if he were away on business, if he had flown out on business. And within no time, boom, he comes home and says, I have to go, I don't know where it was, but such and such on business. So I could have the car. So I phoned, I phoned my friend and said, I've got the car. I can be there. So this is the next step. I start off for a place in Boston from Canada, from north of Montreal, uh, with my little daughter. I had no idea where I was going. And it was snowing. A snowstorm was coming. And I could only see, I don't know, like maybe 50 feet in front of the car. You know? And um, and I just, the, the determination to get there. So I'm, here we go. And I think once we were past the border, it started clearing up. But we got to Boston and I'm somewhere I've never been before driving. And I stop at a garage and I ask where the address was and it was just around the corner. I, you know, the grace of God, uh, we were, we got there. And the first thing, and I didn't know, it was interesting. I didn't know what I was. I said, is this Buddhist? I don't know what this is. What am I getting into? You know, all those fear thoughts. And I get there and this wonderful little woman comes out and greets me and says, I go to, and I'm not Catholic or anything, but she says to me, um, I go to mass first thing in the morning. And as soon as I come home from mass, we start cooking. And I went, okay, I'm from Quebec. This is familiar to me. I'm okay. I'm safe. And it was the beginning. It was the beginning. And the big thing was, the big kicker here was that within two years of practicing this plant-based diet, which is very traditional Japanese, my daughter's grand mal seizures stopped. She would have six to seven, four-hour grand mal seizures a year. Any one of them was you know, life or death. I have driven to the hospital, you know, uh, full speed with her in seizures. I have been in the back of ambulances where the doctor has given her too much medication for her size and put her into respiratory distress. Um, and I have the last and final grandma seizure brought her out of it at home just with my mom just working on her and, and getting her back. And um, that was the last one. And I knew, uh, you know, because I was getting, as health, the healthier Brie got, if they gave her medication for her size, the more dangerous it was because 
it, it uh, affected her more and more. Uh, she needed less and less medication, and they didn't recognize that. So, um, so then uh, I was sold. That was it. That's why I'm in health, because that proved to me the power of diet and lifestyle on healing ourselves and on, you know, it gave my daughter 32 extra years of life. And, you know, 32, if someone is given, um, you know, you're only going to live so long, like she was, you know, some people, you, okay, the standard is five years, the standard is three years, the standard is six months. If you get 32 extra years, oh my Lord, that's huge. That's huge. And quality. And quality. Brie didn't even have a cold the last five years of her life. Uh, you know, she was healthy. She only went to the doctor once a year for the general checkup. And also me. You know, I did this all for my daughter to have uh, a, as long as possible a healthy life. But what I didn't realize is that... When you begin something like this, you join with the person. You don't, it wasn't, I see a lot of parents where they make this diet for their children, but they don't join in with it. So then that separates the child. I mean, the one question that I asked the, the head of macrobiotics at that time, Micho Kushi, when we were in our first consultation, the question I asked at the very end is, how do I need to eat to be the best cook possible for my daughter? And he answered it in one thing. He said, eat wide. And what he meant by that is, you know, we in our North American lifestyle eat basically 12 different meals. That's it. We eat 12 different meals. And what he was talking about was eating wide because when you eat wide, your resistance is stronger to whatever's coming to you. So it meant eat a wide range of grains, a wide range of vegetables and fruits and beans and nuts and seeds. Be wide. Don't just narrowly eat a few recipes over and over and over again. So, um, so then for me, you know, I look in retrospect at my life and I was a caregiver 24-7, which means you're on flight or fright, you know, red alert all the time. You're watching. I was a watcher, watching. I, I, I even was suspicious that sometimes I'm watching for seizures so much, maybe I'm creating them. So that is highly stressful. According to the, uh, uh, the Mass General uh, Medical Center and their meditation center, uh, I think it's John Cabotson who leads it, uh, caregiving is the most stressful job you can do. And I did it for 37 years. Um, financially, it was a struggle the whole time because <clears throat> once I was a single mom, you know, we lived at poverty level the whole time. I just prioritized a roof over our head and, and quality food. Uh, so there's always stress with that and just life in general is stressful and fighting for services constantly. So I come out of that, I am on absolutely no medication. I uh, walk miles a day. I work a 40-hour week. I keep up and surpass the young ones. 
uh, you know, I eat well, take some quality uh, supplements, and hopefully with that, if I can come out, because I know if I had followed uh, a standard North American diet, which the short form is sad, form for that is sad. If I had followed that diet, I would have to be highly medicated with what I've been through. Because a caregiver, we experience PTSD. I mean, we do. You're living with life and death constantly, you know. So, And you're fighting for services constantly. So I've learned a lot from this little girl. I've learned a tremendous amount on health and well-being and quality lifestyle. And I wouldn't be able to have a YouTube channel. I wouldn't have done uh, a TEDx talk. I wouldn't have, have three self-published books on Amazon. Um, I'm thinking I've done radio shows. I've talked to students uh, at university uh, who are graduating in physiotherapy. None of that would have happened if this little wonderful human being awesome soul named Brie hadn't have come into my life and I look at her as the most amazing teacher that I could ever have was it hard oh yeah it was the hardest thing I've ever done but it's also the best thing I've ever done so I'm hoping and plan to in the podcast to share my insights, what I've learned, what I continue to learn, because I'm learning every day still. I'm sharing with people. I work in a health food store, a food co-op, and um, that gives me uh, a way to carry on my daughter's legacy. So I will continue writing and sharing everything and how I've survived and uh, how maybe... Hopefully, I can make the journey for others easier by sharing what I've already been through. So this is what it's going to be all about. And, um, you know, I'm always learning new things like, you know, different quality supplements, what to look for, um, the benefits of foods, uh, and, then you know, how to zero in on the nutrient-dense foods the best ones, uh, that it can be uh, simple and easy. I mean, if I can do it, I don't share anything that I ha- I'm not doing myself or I haven't done. And if I can work 40 hours a week and do this, or if I could have do it and care for my daughter, I would never, uh, you know, expect people to um, do stuff that I haven't done myself and I haven't practiced myself. So this is the beginning here we go. I hope that everything I share makes your life easier, happier, and I just want to thank you so much.